Aloha, Mission Church. Good morning, everybody. So glad that you are here today. Um, first thing is, I want to dismiss the children. You are free to go, and Auntie Renata is back, so everybody can cheer on that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Also, as the kids are heading out, whoo, he looks like a pastor. Man, great job dressing your kids today. How's it going, Lucas? Good. <laughs> Wanted to, uh, real quick, just uh, invite you to be a part of the canned food drive that, uh, that we have going on. And this year, it's, it's um, so easy to just let that go. But it is a really neat and tangible way for our church to be able to participate in helping, um, uh, like Jeff said, for us to feed my sheep, the, the message that uh, Jesus gave to uh, Simon Peter. And um, something that I don't think was mentioned was that if you would like to donate a dollar, um, each dollar is equivalent to five cans. And the way I got that was when I went to the um, San Diego Food Bank website, uh, they said for every dollar you can provide five meals. And I'm like, wow, so surely a dollar can provide five cans. And so if you'd like to give that way, um, we would be happy to, uh, to take, uh, your, receive your dollar and, and share that with um, the churches around town that help to serve the needy community. Um, and then I forgot to do this, but I like to try and do a, a weekly emphasis during the month. Of, uh, of October, so that each week there's an emphasis that we can help to give, and it's just a little bit. Um, so week one, I forgot to mention this, but week one, I thought it would be great if, um, if everybody in church, right, parents, you can do this for your children, but if today everybody was to donate just one dollar to our canned food drive, and as you go out, there's buckets out there, just drop a dollar for yourself or for anybody in your family. And I think that if everybody here shows up that came today, if we got one dollar per person, we could, re- we could collect about a thousand cans today and get almost uh, one-fifth of the way there. Our goal is to collect 5,000 cans in the month of October. That's easy. So if you could today, um, and you, as you head on out the door, the bu- bucket's outside, if you want to just drop a dollar... Um, if you want to drop more, we'll take more, but <laughs> that's great. So anyway, help us to, uh, to reach the goal of our, our canned food drive um, this year. So the past few weeks, I've been in a sermon series called The Blessing of Inconvenience. And, um, and the blessing of inconvenience really has been focusing pretty brightly on the inconvenience of relationships and the more inconvenient the relationship that you have with another person, probably the deeper that relationship goes. Because in that inconvenience is the time spent together. It's, it's the, um, not only the time, but, but what you do with that time, that, that when it's shared, that, that life experience that you have together deepens that relationship, makes it stronger, Right? If you look at your life and all of the convenient relationships that you have, they're, they're all the surface-level relationships. They don't go deep. But the ones that 
that have roots, the ones that go down, those are the relationships that you've invested deeply into. And, and you could call them inconvenient because they've taken you so much more time. And that whole concept that I'm trying to reach and get at is really the same connection that we have with the relationship with God, right? And, um, and the, the, the more time that we spend in God's word and in prayer, the deeper the relationship that we have with God continues to go. It's terribly inconvenient. But that's where the blessing comes, in the inconvenience of it all. And last week I said there's no such thing as a convenient relationship with God. Right? That's not even much of a relationship at all. Last Sunday's message was about changing your rhythm. We all have different rhythms to our lives. And so often, some of the rhythms that we have don't produce the kind of fruit that God desires. And so what if instead of asking you to, to spend more time getting deeper in your relationship with God, what if we just change the rhythm of your life so that we're not doing some of the things that just frivolously waste our time and, in, and, and redeem 30 minutes or an hour and use that time to reconcile our relationship with God. So that was the sermon last Sunday. This Sunday, I want to continue down that road, but I want to do it from a different perspective. And what I want to do is focus on this whole message of reconciliation. And um, if you have ever had to reconcile a relationship or restore a relationship that was once broken, you know that it's a difficult thing to do. The process of restoring a relationship requires all of the time and effort and inconvenience of establishing those deep, strong relationships that we so enjoy. To reconcile and redeem a broken relationship is slow. It's a, it's a long process. And, and along the way, you know what you'll find? Constant setbacks. Setbacks and setbacks. And to say, use a word that I've overused, I know, too much is that to reconcile relationships very inconvenient. <laughs> That's the word, right? Everybody's sick of me saying that word already, but I got another 20 more times I'm going to say it today. <laughs> the journey of reconciling a relationship while inconvenient, when it starts to work, when what was once broken is being made whole again, when what was once dysfunctional begins to start to have new life and, and becomes healthier, and when the journey that was, was once being two, two sides being going further apart starts getting closer together, then that whole journey of reconciliation becomes worth it. If you've ever gone down that road with somebody, it's redeeming. It's full of, of hope and joy. When relationships are restored, it is a blessing. Can I get an amen to that? It's, it's amazing. Now, I want you to know, I, I, I live in the same world as you do. 
And even though I'm a pastor, I, I am not kept from all of the brokenness in this world that you experience. In fact, I could sit down on the front row and preach this message because this message is all about my life as it is about yours. I will confess to you that in the relationships that I have, not with anyone in this church, thank the Lord, (laughs) but I, I have brokenness in the relationships of my life. There's great heartache in some of the relationships that I have with people that I know and love. And uh, in my own family, um, my, my family back in Hawaii, there's dysfunction, right? It's, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm no different from you. Just want you guys to know that. But in saying that, I also will tell you this, that I have had the great joy to experience God redeeming and reconciling some of the brokenness in the relationships that I have had so that I can see the great joy of God restoring the beauty of of the relationships that have been broken in my life before. And so I praise God for that. And if you've experienced that in your life, isn't that so amazing that God can help us in doing that in such beautiful ways? But I will tell you this because I have seen it in my own life and and you probably have seen it in yours that reconciling relationships are not easy. It's hard work. But when it happens, man, it is a blessing. So the goal of my sermon today is to share the blessing of inconvenience but also the joy of of reconciling. So this is the inconvenient journey of reconciliation. And if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 14. Last Sunday, there was a, a light in the moment of my preaching when I realized that as your pastor, I've been making it far too convenient for you by posting the whole scripture on the screen So I talked to Heather this week, and I said, Heather, we're not going to make it that convenient anymore. We want people to get the inconvenience of printing out that Bible or opening up your phone, however you find the scriptures, but we're not going to put it up there anymore. Can I get an amen? Yeah. So follow along with me in your Bibles, 2 Corinthians in chapter 5, beginning at verse 14. Hear the word of the Lord today. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. And though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
that God was reconciling the world to himself and Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The word of the Lord. So this whole message of reconciliation, reconciliation is, is the restoration of relationships by healing hurts and, and building hope in this very fractured and broken world through the life, the teaching, the example of Jesus. That is the whole heart of the reconciliation that Paul is talking about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And the journey, you can see that there's a journey that Paul is talking about in this passage of Scripture. And that journey of reconciliation begins with God when he sends Jesus to reconcile people back into a right relationship with him. And the journey continues through those who have first been reconciled back to God and into a right relationship with him. And he sends these reconciled people out into the world as ambassadors for God, making God's plea through them so that they can continue the journey that God began in Jesus of reconciling the world back to him. But you and I both know, because we've been through this, that reconciliation is not easy. It's, it's, it's really hard. It's uncomfortable to, to talk about the, the dysfunction and the brokenness. It's, it brings back old hurts and wounds. It's painful sometimes. It's awkward. And you know, I haven't said it yet, but <laughs> it's terribly inconvenient to be a person engaged deeply in reconciliation. So the question is, why even bother, right? Why, why do it? Our passage of Scripture tells us exactly why we are, we are to do it. And our passage begins with these words, Christ's love compels us. That's why we should do it. That the love of God compels us to do this thing that everyone in here would be more comfortable not engaging in. But because of Christ's love, we are compelled to do it. Jesus' love is the prime mover that pushes us out of what's comfortable for us to re-engage into something that has been broken, into relationships that are very difficult, and challenging. And the inconvenience of trying to restore something that has been broken. It's the love of Jesus. Christ's love is what compels us. And you know why it compels us? It's because that very same love, the love of Jesus, is what reconciled us back to God. What was it that made you want to turn your heart over to Jesus so that you could be in right relationship with him? 
My hope and prayer is that it was the love of Jesus that burdened you so much that you felt this love that you've never felt before. This, this, this love that's so full of grace that your sins weren't counted against you. This love that challenges you because you're so undeserving of it, but yet it's given so freely. This great love compels us. And that's the love that Jesus gave it. And you know what? When Jesus shared it with us, it wasn't at any point in our lives when we deserved it. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners is when Christ died for us. That's when he did it. Not when I deserved it. Not, not when I was good, but <laughs> when I was not good. Jesus was not apathetic about his love for us and the relationship that he wanted so desperately to have with us. Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. You guys know that verse? Jesus is here I am. I stand at the door... And I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with you and you with me. Jesus doesn't stop knocking until we open the door. That's the initiative that he takes. And when we finally get to the place where we open the door, he's ready to come in. I love that about Jesus. That I didn't even have to go to him. He came to me. And he doesn't wait around for us to come around. He keeps coming to us. And if we're not opening the door, guess what he's doing outside? And he's constantly knocking at people's hearts. The door of their hearts. Jesus takes the initiative. While we were still enemies with God, while we were yet sinners, is when Christ died for us. Is that compelling to you? <laughs> That's compelling to me. And if I'm going to move into this area of uncomfortability, boy, I tell you what, knowing of what Jesus did for me is the first that lets me take the first step in that compelling call. And the depth of Jesus' love is, is not just found in his words when he says, I love you, but it's found in his actions. And ultimately, the action that really shows the depth of the love that Jesus has for us is when he gave up his life so that we could find life in him. And our scripture today in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, reminds us, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. 
See, church, this sermon on the inconvenient journey of reconciliation is not about you or me. It's about Jesus. And the terribly inconvenient call that he answered so that you and I could find salvation in God and be reconciled back into a right relationship with God. The journey from heaven to earth. Stop and think about that for a second, for Jesus. I'll tell you this. To me, it's indescribable of of what happened with Jesus leaving heaven to come to earth. How do you describe something like that? I mean, the the words that I have is that it was inconvenient, but inconvenient doesn't even scratch the surface for how much Jesus gave up so that he could come here for you and for me. When, when you stop to think about this, right? What, what is, why are we here? What's the, the goal of all of this for us? Yeah, it is to find the peace and the joy of living here. But one day, when all of this is done, our hope, our great hope, is that one day we will be with God and in His presence in heaven. That's our journey. That's where Jesus began and left the presence of God to come here to where we're at. I mean, we're just trying to get there, and that's where he was. Willingly giving of himself, surrendering all for everything to be here so that he can be what God uses to reconcile all people back to him. Wow. And instead of being with God, he became like one of us. Gave up his, his divinity, even though he was still fully God. He gave up all that he had to become like you and I. Becoming like one of us. That's indescribably inconvenient, I'm sure, from Jesus But here's the thing about Jesus. When when we're asked to do inconvenient things, sometimes we resent it, right? What? Can I do that? You know, have you ever said that? I've never said it. Have you? (laughs) Oh, man, that again? For as much as Jesus gave up and surrendered in leaving the presence of God and coming to earth to become like one of us, you would think that he might have resented a little bit, especially knowing what would happen to him. Instead of resenting it, you know what he did? You, you, you read the scriptures. He embraced it. He owned it. And he did it so much so that when Jesus came to earth, he didn't come to be served, to lord it over us. He came, he got down on his knees, and he served others. His life, how he lived, the very things that he taught, the example that he left for us was rooted in love that I'm trying to share with you to compel you 
And in the end, paid the ultimate price by dying on the cross so that we could be reconciled back to God. And now his love compels us to do the same, to journey with him, take the next step in the journey to live our lives, to join this journey of reconciliation so that those that we love could be reconciled back to God. Oh, I love that. So, I want you to know, our scripture tells us, all of this began with God, right? I talked about how the journey began. It began when God sent his son Jesus into the world. And when we talk about inconvenience, though, right? I'm sure the sermons that you've heard me preach in this series, you came today and you saw the, the, the name of the, the sermon, top the sermon title, The Journey of Inconvenience. Oh, the, the inconvenient journey of reconciliation. Like, oh, boy, I know where this is going to go. <laughs> and the truth is it's so easy to to look at how inconvenience impacts our lives, right? How I'm so inconvenienced. But when we look at how Jesus was inconvenient for our sake, his inconvenience is what made it possible for every single one of us who call ourselves Christians to be saved. Amen. Amen. And I pray that this is what compels us to join Jesus in the work of reconciling the world back to him. So, the second part of our scripture today, Jesus gives us four things. I'm going to read the passage again, and I want to talk about these four things that Jesus gives us. So verse 18 says, all this is from God, right? It all begins with God. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and who gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, and we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The four things that I find in this passage of scripture are number one, the ministry of reconciliation. Number two, the message of reconciliation. The third thing is the calling of that God places on us. And then he ends with a very beautiful invitation. So let's talk about the ministry of reconciliation. We're all called into this ministry of reconciliation because we have been reconciled ourselves. And so, because we have been reconciled to God, God says, I'm going to give you a ministry of reconciliation, of continuing the work that Jesus began of reconciling people back into a right relationship with God. And Jesus left us this amazing example. And this is his example. First, Jesus reconciled people to himself. 
And then, after he reconciled people to himself, he began to reconcile them into a relationship with God. This is the ministry of reconciliation. To do the work of restoring broken relationships in your own life. Before you even talk about how the the, the importance of them, people in your lives, to be reconciled back to God. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, Jesus says these words, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar first. Go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Wow. The ministry of reconciliation begins with reconciling the relationships in our lives before we can even talk to people about reconciling the relationship that they have with God. Because if you can't get past the relationship here, how are you going to point them to Jesus? There's no reconciliation with God unless we are first reconciled with each other. And then, I can read minds, by the way, and know what you're thinking. Because as I was writing this, I'm thinking the same thing. You don't know the relationships that I have in my life, Pastor. Some of them are so broken and so dysfunctional. How do you expect... Reconciliation to happen there. I have the same relationships. I do. And so I stand here not preaching at you, but I stand here looking at this and saying, how can I make this apply to me? And I take great comfort in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, where it says this, if it is possible, As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, knowing that it's not always possible. Can I get an amen? It's true. Knowing that it's not always possible now, right? But here is a great truth that I pray you will hold tightly to. These words. God is not done yet. He's still working. He's still knocking. And we might just go, ah, I'm done. I've been there. (laughs) And God says, I'm not. And he'll keep knocking until the door is open. That's what I love about Jesus. He did not give up on me or you. And he doesn't want us to give up either. For as long as we have breath, may we be people who have the heart of Jesus because we have been reconciled with God to enter into this ministry of reconciliation with one another. I know it's hard. I live it. But God continues to knock, and we should too. And so, church, I want you to know 
that if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, knowing that it is not always possible. Not everyone will respond well, but don't lose heart. God's not done yet. Praise God. He's still knocking. The message of reconciliation is the second thing he gives to us. The message of reconciliation calls us to share the good news of God's love and forgiveness through Jesus Christ that we've experienced ourselves. The message of reconciliation is is pretty clear. When we point people back to God, all we get all we all we need to do is testify to the goodness of God in our lives. When is the last time you got to say this to someone? The Lord has forgiven me of my sins. Praise God. And he has. And he can forgive yours as well. You see, I want you to know one thing. The message of reconciliation is what God gives us. But it is God who does the reconciling. We, we can't do that. God does it. And all God calls us to do is to be people who are faithful to share that message of reconciliation with him. Sometimes that reconciliation can come with words, but just like Jesus, that message of reconciliation is an action as well too. To draw near, to be close, to offer a hug in times when it is needed. And then to forgive as we have been forgiven. And I, 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 and I know, I know that that's not always easy. And that's not always I was going to say something. It's hard when you've really been hurt deeply, traumatically. And for me to stand up here and so frivolously tell you, ah, just forgive. I'm not going to do that. I want you to know that this is a heart issue. That, that you have to work that out with God. Because I've not been through your hurt. But neither have you been through mine. And so this message of reconciliation, is trust me. Anybody want to come up here and take this passage? <laughs> it's a hard message. Because every time I, I try to say something, I'm thinking about my own life. And I'm struggling with, ah, oh, man, can I do that? Because I'm going to call my people to do it. And just, just so you know, I'm not a pastor that will just blurt things out to make you do things and not me. Because I've always told you this. The thing that I love the most about Jesus is that he never asks us to do anything that he himself doesn't do first. And I'll never do, I'll, I won't do that with you either. I'll never ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. So the message of reconciliation is sharing the forgiveness that you received from God and sharing it as best as you can with those that you love. sharing your testimony of how you have been reconciled with God and leading people to understand 
that they can find the same reconciliation with Him. Again, it's not your job to reconcile people back to God. That's His job. What we're given the ministry to do is to share that message with the people that we love. Again, we're not calling anybody to go stand on the street corner and, and with a bullhorn and tell people about Jesus as they walk by. That's fruitless. The fruit comes when you already have a relationship with someone and you cross over that bridge and you meet each other halfway and you share the love of God that way. And even as you share the message of reconciliation, I want you to know, and I've said this once already, not everyone will respond well. But don't lose heart. God's not done yet. knocking and then the third thing is that God calls us to be ambassadors of Jesus right what's an ambassador an ambassador is a person who represents their home country but lives in a foreign country an ambassador is a person that is called by God that sees heaven as their home country and is living on earth to bring the message of God to this land. To hear what God has to say. And they are charged with the communicating clearly the leader's words and the leader's position. And as ambassadors for Christ, our home is heaven while we are here on earth. And we are here to share Jesus' word, Jesus' life, Jesus' example with the world that we are living in. And we're called to be ambassadors for Jesus. And then the last thing is that the invitation that ends this entire passage of Scripture. The invitation that Paul gives to us is this. He says, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You cannot enter the ministry of reconciliation, nor can you share the message of reconciliation, nor will God call you to be an ambassador for him if you yourself are not reconciled with God. And the first step in anything that we do is to get our hearts right in our relationship with God. To begin with me, that's my prayer. Always, Lord, Start with me. And today, if that's you, and if you need to be reconciled back to God, as we close our service today, I'd like to lead you in prayer to, to get your heart right with God, to restore that relationship with God and become one of the reconciled so that God can use you in the ministry with the message to be an ambassador to invite others to be reconciled back to Him. Will you bow your heads with me and join me in this closing prayer? Dear Lord, thank You. Thank You for the inconvenient journey that You took to reconcile us to You. Thank You, God, for leaving 
the presence of your Father, where we're all trying to get to, and willingly come here to be like one of us. And when you came, you didn't come with a chip on your shoulder. You didn't come being resentful. You came to do the work and will of your Father to reconcile people back to you. And Lord, we have been reconciled. And we thank you for that. And for those who have yet to begin that relationship with God, today you can be reconciled. Would you turn your heart to the Lord today and ask for forgiveness? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because of that sin, Lord, we know that there is separation between us and you, but we don't want that anymore. Would you bridge the gap? Would you close, draw close the relationship? Would you make it so that our relationship with you becomes terribly inconvenient because we come face to face with our sin and we have to surrender that and ask for your forgiveness so, Lord, we pray that that is what we do now. And in doing so, we ask you, Jesus, to save us, to be our Savior, to be our Lord, to reconcile back us into a right relationship with your Heavenly Father. Because we don't want to live separated anymore. We've done enough of that. Draw us close to you, we pray. And we pray also that this gift that you talk about in your word, this gift of eternal life by faith, we receive that. Believing that if anything should happen, that we would spend eternity with you in heaven. Glory to God. And for those, Lord, who have been reconciled, would you draw us near to you even more? Would you help us to sense your presence in our lives? Would you convict us, Lord God? Would you still have that still, small voice speak into our ears and into our hearts to tell us and remind us of that love that deeply compels us to move out of our comfort zones because of what you've done, Jesus, to help reconcile the relationships that we have here on earth with the people that we love and begin to point them again to you. Help us to own our parts, Lord God, in the brokenness and in the dysfunction. And Lord, if we are met with walls instead of bridges, help us not to lose heart. Help us, Lord God, to remember that you're not done yet. And you're still knocking. We believe, Lord God, that one day, that door will be open. And when it is, you can enter in like you are today to those who are opening their hearts to you, that salvation would be ours. Oh, thank you, God. We are so grateful for your deep love for us. Compel us. Move us, Lord God, so that we can enter into the inconvenient journey of reconciliation with you. We pray this. In Jesus' name, amen.